0: Davis show Mike Krueger Mike I appreciate Good. it thank you for bearing with us this morning it's been um, a morning of uh, of technical challenges but I think we've been able to oh, no worries bud. To, to soldier on I think we've been able to do that Mike we appreciate the time hey uh, we just wrapped up the football season with uh, the state championships on on Saturday and I know yeah. that uh, the goal down the road is to continue to play games in Empower field a mile high uh, how is that looking in terms of the future for Chasa to still have that that venue where where high school players get to step on the same field as the Broncos? Uh, because I know it sounds like both parties would really like that to continue on.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt. We, I mean, it's such a neat venue, and it, there's a, you know, when you walk onto that field, there's such an ambiance that's you know, where the Denver Broncos play, and uh, such a great stadium, and you can see.
0: Looks like we're having some... Of course we're having cell phone problems today with Mike. Of course we're having problems. It looks like we're having an issue with uh, with Mike's phone. So hopefully uh, we'll be able to get uh, Mike back on with us in a moment. Um, there we go. Mike, I'm sorry we lost you there, bud.
1: Oh, sorry, bud. Um, are you back?
0: Yeah, I think we're good. I think we're good. We're, we're cooking okay. with gas again.
1: Okay, good, bud. Um, anyway, I was just saying, Jim, that it's certainly no doubt that's our top priority. We'd love... Playing there, we love the opportunity for our kids to compete there. It's it's uh, obviously the uh, an incredible venue with so much history, and it's where the Broncos play, and um, so we love it. So it is a it is a high priority for us. At the same time, um, you know we love working with the Broncos, we love working with the Colorado Sports Hall of Fame, and uh, but at the same time we we've, we've got to be responsible to our our schools and our membership, and it's got to be a, uh, a situation that works for all parties involved, and so. We will definitely go in and, and hopefully uh, as we negotiate those contracts, uh, we hope and we it is our, our highest hope that we can continue to operate there. But um, again, we need to look at it with open eyes and make sure that we're being responsible.
0: How is the relationship to work with CSU Pueblo? Because we had here locally Delta play in the state championship game a couple of weekends ago uh, over at Pueblo. Yeah. It seems like that's a relationship that that has worked out pretty well. Part of that was kind of came together because of COVID and in and, and that, yeah. that situation. But it seems like it's something that's turned into a, a real positive for, for the football postseason.
1: I'll tell you what, it's really, yes, I 100% agree. And the thing that's exciting about that partnership, the community of Pueblo just uh, really rallies around this. And, and they do such a good job. They're so inviting. They're so welcoming. Uh, the, like I said, the community gets involved. CSU Pueblo, the personnel – there uh, just do a phenomenal job of working with us during those uh actually it's over two weekends because we have 3A down there as well um the following weekend so really uh just lucky to have that group working with us and and we think it's a great venue uh the uh you know it's a beautiful stadium a beautiful field and um it's nice you know talking with the six and eight Eight-man football schools, and as well as 1A, 2A, and 3A, um, everybody seemed to have just a really great time, and and they really accommodated uh, the the fans and the programs, and it was just a great experience.
0: And of course, we had Dove Creek, uh, you know, of course, way way south of us, uh, right there on the Utah border, winning their first state football championship. So kind of a, yeah. a cool thing that somebody on this side of the hill, and of course, we had Delta in the in the state title game this year in 2A as well, so some Western Slope-ish representatives uh, playing in in-state championship games uh, this past season. Chassa Commissioner Mike Kruger with us today. So, Mike, when we look ahead to next football season, some of the things that people, that, that high school football fans can expect to see next year, what are some of the, the changes on the horizon?
1: Well, we're in the middle of a, a classification cycle, so uh, what that means is that we're we're right now – uh, working really, really hard. John Sullivan, who's just done an amazing job stepping in and taking over football for us as assistant commissioner in charge of football. Uh, he's working on the the placements for programs, so that's always uh, it's a it's a fun time, but it's also a really anxious time because schools are are always wondering know, and want to make sure that find out where they are. and we've changed that process a little bit to try to increase communication between the schools and our staff and um, but it's in uh, the the football uh, placements are the only ones that the state actually does. So the rest of, uh, I don't know how many people know that, but but in terms of like volleyball, basketball, actually the membership places themselves in leagues and we approve those. Uh, It's kind of a symbiotic thing, but football, the state's asked to do it. So it's a little bit of added responsibility and John has undertaken that. So uh, we'll be in the process of that. And then looking forward, we keep looking uh, ahead and, Obviously, we always remain very uh, focused on athlete wellness and, and safety. So we, we're constantly looking at, at uh, any pro- protocols, procedures relative to athlete uh, safety, especially in, in football. And, um, you know, we work with our sports medicine advisory committee on that. So right now, um, we're kind of, to be honest with you, Jim, we're just, as the season just wrapped up Saturday, now we will have uh, a couple of. Uh, opportunities to sit down with stakeholders and say how did things go what uh, what do we need to address and we'll start looking at those things.
0: Chassis Commissioner Mike Kruger joining us today on uh, the Jim Davis Show on the team sports network uh so Football is is now in the books for this year. We, we, we turn the page to basketball. We had the Warrior Challenge uh, just this uh, past week at at Central High School, a tournament you're very familiar with during your time coaching yep. at, at Palisade High School. So uh, now that we're into the start of basketball season, and when we talk about some changes in terms of leagues and classification and things like that, uh, there there's some of the league configurations. Mike, I'm I'm just I'll, I'll use the it's interesting, some of the league configurations. Uh, yeah. Take us through some of this, because there's there's been some folks, like with, with Fruita Monmouth being the only 6A team here on this side of the hill in both uh, boys and girls basketball, Palisade being in a league that only has four teams actually in its league. Take us through some of this, because when it came out, we were we real were perplexed on some of this. Enlighten uh, us on, on on why maybe a couple – I mean, obviously with, with Fruita, they're the largest high school here on this side of the hill – but, boy, it just right. doesn't seem like they should be a 6A program. Uh, just your, your thoughts and, and and how some of these things came together.
1: Yeah, I think we're in a little bit of a – well, and I'll be honest with you, coming in, uh, there was a few things that changed over the last few years, and multi-classification leagues were one of those. Um, you know, we used to talk quite a bit, and I know on the West Slope, we, we certainly used to talk about competitive equity and, um, you know, and – and how do we make sure that programs are, are in positions to compete equally? And uh, if you remember, we used to classify schools just with the basketball numbers. So your basketball, where where you were placed with basketball became where you, all of your programs were placed with, of course, the exception of football, which the state did. So, um, you know, in the last few years, what we've done is we've really, uh, the reality of multi-classification leagues have become a thing. And um, I'll be honest with you, I'm still adjusting to that, um, um, to that perspective. I'm a little bit of a traditionalist. I, I like uh, traditional league rivalries. I love district tournaments. I love regional play. Um, but that's me. And I realize that we're a membership-driven organization. And um, right now, again, the membership decides on their league placements. We place programs, um, you know, for volleyball, basketball in this sense, uh, in this example, uh, the We will place the program, but the 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 schools and the membership themselves create their own leagues. So it does create an interesting dynamic when you have uh, a school like Fruta, who's who's a little bit bigger than the other schools, but I think there's also that uh, feeling where we have to look at some of those dynamics. I can tell you um, that our staff has sat down and really talked about this with leagues and and with our own staff and said, um, I understand that the pendulum in the last few years swung to multi-classification leagues and trying to make as many things balanced as possible. So in other words, you know, placing a, a softball program and a volleyball program, you could, have, you could have programs that one is 4A and one is 3A um, in the same school. That's a reality. But I also think it's important that we let the pendulum swing back a little bit to making decisions that are based on geography and what makes sense, Um, From a geography standpoint, in other words, it doesn't make sense to me to be playing in a high school where we've had a traditional rivalry and we drive by that high school to play a game uh, with someone else that's 10 or 15 miles down the road because of what we call competitive equity. And I totally respect and understand wanting to compete against programs that, you know, so can be successful. But uh, like I tell everybody here, that is a little bit of an I-25 corridor mentality because when you get on the Western Slope, geography determines your competitive equity. When you get out on the Eastern Plains, geography determines your competitive equity. So we've got to balance those things and maybe bring geography a little bit back into the picture.
0: Mike Krueger, the commissioner of uh, the Cabra High School Activities Association, uh, Joining us today on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network, and, and you know for Palisade there it's a it's a five a four a Western Slope League they're now a five a program with with the inclusion of or the the creation I should say of of a six a classification and so they you know they do play they have rifle which is a rival over the years with. With Palisade, but uh, but you know a, a different classification uh, with the Rifle Bears. It, it's it's a bit of a hodgepodge where they you know they do play Fruit of Monument and Central, which which make term you know make a lot of sense in terms of of geography and things like that. So it is a it in Montrose is, is in that mix as well. Uh, so it's really a an interesting combination of, of of schools. Some of them make total sense because of geography, which is something that you're speaking to in the case of Palisade. Yes, they're only. Three other teams in their 5A league, if you will, but they are playing other other schools, other classifications during their schedule.
1: Yeah, a, a great example. And and I'll, again, I'll be honest. I'm I'm still adjusting to the multi classification league uh, perspective. Um, I know we we have a lot of uh, support for it uh, across the state. A lot of folks like it because it it does allow some more flexibility, um, and it puts programs in place. It is you know where where they Puts programs in places where they feel they can be successful. Um, I do sometimes worry about what that does to smaller classifications. You know, when you're in those 1A ranks to begin with, where do you go? Um, who do you play as we continue to move things around and we move schools up and down? But I think at the end of the day, Jim, I think there's true efforts, um, you know, that we've got an amazing staff. Uh, that loves to work with the leagues on this, and as we place programs, make sure that we're doing it uh, in a way that makes sense for the community and makes sense for the school. That's the one thing that we really, I feel, have addressed coming in Uh, And and folks said, um, my first day on the job, they said, the thing you need to get on your radar right away is the the clock process. The clock is the Classification League Organization Committee and how we're placing schools. And to be honest with you, um, I think one of the things that we've done really well is we've created a new process that will allow communication to happen with schools um, earlier in the process and really talk to communities, talk to the school leaders there and even if you um you know hopefully we can come to agreement and you can understand a school can understand why a a program was placed in a specific place and or a specific classification and even at the end of the day if we disagree you'll be able to go back to your community and say hey this is what the state was thinking this is why this program was placed here and we do still have an appeals process i think the problem we were having um you know recently is um that you were placed in a program, and then there was uh, not an opportunity to really talk with the schools in the community, and you just had to immediately go to the appeals process. And that was, I feel, was uh, something we could definitely do better. Just the more communication that happens early, the better, and people know where they stand, and you can certainly have a lot of debate and dialogue going into those kinds of uh, discussions.
0: Chassis Commissioner Mike Kruger with us today on the Team Sports Network. Uh, not just basketball uh, getting going, but but wrestling as well. And anything you want to highlight when it comes to the start of the wrestling season?
1: Wow, I'll tell you, um, we're just excited. It's such a great sport. I can tell you one thing that's coming forward, Jim, and I, I, the reason that wrestling pops in my mind when you, when you ask that question. We've been working really hard on the pay structure for officials, and um, that's been a current issue. I know you and I have talked about that one in previous conversations. Um, wrestling one, one, was one that was really a little bit of a challenge. So um, because there's such a variety of different formats um, in terms of you can have duels with different schools, you can have triangulars, quadrangulars, then you get into tournaments and bracket play. Um, so we, we really worked with the Colorado Wrestling Officials Association as well as schools. Uh, to To get that part figured out, it was uh, one of the more challenging ones. I'll be honest with you, but I think we've got a, a structure together that the membership's going to see here shortly. Um, actually, it's out. Um, it was just released yesterday, but it'll be uh, there'll be a more formal presentation and vote here coming up in January, but it's been a high priority item for us and our staff. We weren't sure we could uh, we could get it done, to be honest with you, in a way that didn't uh, really impact school budgets to the point where you know, we had to think about programs and that kind of thing and where we could make significant cuts. Uh, we did it in a in a process, a step, a, over a three-year process, which really makes a good impact for officials, but at the same time uh, really respects the, the fact that school budgets are always tight, and uh, we have to do that. So wrestling was one that challenged us there, but... In terms of wrestling, we're just excited. We're going to be at Ball Arena again for the state wrestling championships, which is always a great venue, um, and we'd love to host it there. But in girls wrestling continues to grow, which we're super excited about there as well. So just a lot of great things happening in, in all our winter sports, and I'll throw ice hockey in, uh, and swim, swimming in there as well. Just uh, really great stuff for all of our kids.
0: Absolutely, and we've seen the growth of, uh, of girls wrestling over here. It's, uh, it's really uh, yeah. grown by leaps and bounds. On this side of the hill, and of course, you're you're referring to that. You look good in stripes initiative that I think is so far yeah. been kind of kind of for you, Mike, in your first you know 100 days, so to speak, of, of being in charge has been kind of your your signature uh, piece of uh, I, I guess program that you put together during this first uh, year of being uh, the commissioner of Chassa.
1: Yeah, Jim. Thanks for yeah. Thanks for that. It's it was um, again. It was one of those things when July one hit, people. You know the, the board of directors especially, and and we've known uh, the officials crisis is is real. And we're moving games. I know it's happening in Grand Junction. I talked to all the ads over there and Paul Kane frequently. Uh, you know, and and all the Western Slope League folks. It's happening over there as well. I we stay in great conversation with Chuck Nissen and Bernie Goss and um, all the all the gang over there as well. But uh, the fact is is that officials play such a crucial role. I mean we can't we can't have high school sports and activities without officials. We just can't. they're vital partners and they're they're crucial. So one of the things we did is uh, coming in is we were asked to what can we do right away and what can we do to get grow the pool of officials and then also address the pay issue so with, in terms of growing the pool of officials we we came up with the you look Good and Stripes campaign, and what we did is we um, sought funding. Uh, the Chassa Foundation actually stepped up um, this first year, and what we did was uh, found a way to cover all costs for anyone who wanted to get involved in officiating. So if you are a first-time official and you, regardless of sport, want to get involved, we will cover all the background checks, registration fees, testing fees, and you can get started for, for basically no cost, um, at, and no cost. And then there's some equipment grants involved with that. The other thing we did that I really liked as part of this campaign, it was a big focus uh, for me, was making sure we had an easy call to action. And that, what I mean by that is somebody that's interested in officiating, it was sometimes difficult for them to know who do I contact, where do I go, who, who do I even make a phone call to. So we created an easy uh, link, which you can click on either your phone or your uh, computer, and it takes you to a page on our website, and we just collect your name, email, phone number, and then you check boxes of which sports you're interested in, and we take it from there. So I am um, excited to tell you that in the first two weeks, we signed up over 250 new officials in all sports in all parts of the state. And uh, we are super excited about that, and we are into our first month now and looking to uh, – we should get those new numbers here real shortly, but it's been very successful, and we're super excited. Mike Krueger, Chasta Commissioner, joining us on the Jim Davis Show. One final question about officials. Kind of a, a yeah. two-pronged thing. One is the pay, and that's improving, and you're starting to see more numbers in the officiating ranks. Another thing is, thankfully in Colorado, not a huge of a problem as it is in other states, is how these officials are treated by parents and coaches and sometimes players. As your role as Chasta Commissioner, Chasta as a whole, what's your responsibility to hold maybe – schools or locations more accountable for the fans and their treatment of officials who aren't getting paid a ton to be out
0: there to officiate these games
1: well i really appreciate that question a lot because it's true and it's something that we know as a, as a membership we know as a staff um and it continues to be uh an issue We're, we're. i'll tell you two things we're focusing on and and that is one we want to continue to Support sportsmanship programs that, um, and we'll look at some new initiatives there. Uh, again, not being able to tackle everything at once, but we're looking at sportsmanship initiatives and encouraging our schools. But with that, in that same vein, we're really working with schools to look at hospitality. How do we treat officials when they come to our schools? How do we, you know, can we make sure that they've got a, a nice place to change and some, maybe, you know, bottles of water when they come in at halftime or a or break. Uh, whenever the break is in their games and their contests, but make them feel welcome. Have somebody that greets them, takes care of them, lets them know where to go. Um, That's really super important, and we've heard that from officials. So we're doing some educational efforts. You know, we always have a lot of new ADs, and it's not for a lack of desire to do those things. It's just some education and saying, hey, little things can go a long way in taking care of our officials and making sure they feel welcome and then the other thing that I think is really important, and, and I personally wrote this, um, so I know very well, but we are one of the few states that does not have a state law or even a bylaw in our state um, uh, high school's bylaw and constitution handbook that really outlines protection for officials from assault, from verbal abuse. So I, I penned personally a, um, a new bylaw that will come before the membership in January that will address... Um, physical assault, verbal harassment, or even threats to officials by fans, um, and it will support schools. And the consequences for those behaviors could include up to a permanent ban from any Chasson member event um, and, and a lifetime ban. Of course, there's a wide variety of, of behaviors there, so it could be uh, other consequences as well. But the thing I like about the bylaw is it's, it outlines that the school – and the state office specifically spells me out it says the commissioner and the school will work together to address and come up with appropriate consequences for the for the assault or for the verbal harassment or threats uh to an official so that's something that's new we're one of the few states that didn't have something like that and uh, we will i hope have it um here shortly in january uh, to address some of those more extreme Types of behaviors that are are being um, exhibited, but even those that just make officials feel threatened, we need to let them know that we support them, uh, we we value them, and we're going to work together to protect them.
0: Yeah, Mike, you're doing all the right things on this. I mean, the, the officials. Part of the reason a lot of people don't want to do it anymore is because they they feel intimidated, they're harassed, and and this you know this is the kind of measures that, that have to be taken, sadly, to. To have officials feel comfortable to, to go out and do the work that they do, we're talking with Chass Commissioner Mike Kruger. Uh, Mike, just a couple of other things. Uh, yeah, the, one of these involves what happened to the Fruit of Monument softball team in Valor Christian and having to yeah. go back over and play one inning. A lot of people, including us, I'll, I'll be honest, we we didn't quite quite get uh, you know why why they had to go back and play one more inning. Uh, and initially, I mean, I, I understand that because of what's said in the bylaws that because it was a state you know, tournament game, it, it, it had to be, or at least, you know, a regional game had to be played to completion. It just seemed, it just seemed a little, a little odd, a little wonky. And in some, in some ways, unfair yeah. to defer monument you, I know you're involved in that process. Kind of take us through that to explain to people why, why Chas made the decision that, that you guys had to make in that case.
1: Yeah, that was a, it was, there is no doubt. That was a super, super tough one. And I want to be careful not to, you know, um, Push that to anybody else. All I can say in that one is it was incredibly hard. Um, and the, the situation, what really truly at the end of the day, what happened and what we hope to address in the future is there was miscommunication that happened at the end of the game um, at the plate when the game was canceled. We had one official who had said that the game was at, earlier in the inning, had it had, or earlier in an earlier inning, said to the host site, if we uh, run out of daylight, we're going to have to call this game. And so the site director took that as we, this game was, was canceled. And, and when they got, that was, what, that was uh, one of the officials or umpires. Then the other umpire at the end of the game had communicated to both schools uh, at, at home plate when everybody came there at the, at the conclusion of the contest had, had said, this game is suspended Um, and, and you know, this game is suspended. Well, there's a (laughs) huge difference between saying this game is done and this game is suspended. And ironically, um, what we thought was interesting was we didn't hear about it until Monday morning, and it came up in the officials' game reports, and it said this game was suspended. Well, we didn't get a call from anybody. We didn't get a call from any of the schools. We didn't get a call from the officials. Nobody we found out Monday And John and I were in the office and said, "Man, this is this is really brutal because uh, you know we're going to have to ask Bruta to come back over, and and uh, they have to. If the umpire truly suspended it, obviously both schools left the contest thinking that the game was called because otherwise they have to believe that somebody would have." Been curious about when are we going to continue this last inning tomorrow morning, and nobody did, and so it was. It was really. It, it speaks to the fact that we've got to communicate better. There's got to be better communication. We did look, and you know, we're going to clean up some language and bylaws. We immediately reached out to Fruit of Monument. We immediately reached out to Valor. Um, that and, and um, you know, we we talked, and I will, I give all the credit in the world to Fruit of Monument's athletic director, and Paul Kane. They did a great job. We felt bad because of the communication, so I told Paul, um, I know that you're coming over for state anyway, but we will put the Fruit of Monument team up in the hotel. Um, I feel so bad, um, you know, that they have to come back over. But at the end of the day, it's one of those things where you, you, you have to do what the right thing is, as tough as it is. And I can guarantee you this. Um, one of the questions that was asked to me, and I, I said, people that know me will know this is true. Had the roles been reversed, I 100% guarantee you that we would have had Valor travel back over to Fruita to play that one inning. And if you don't believe that, you need to get to know me better.
0: Right, absolutely, <laughs> so. Mike. Yeah, and, and, and look, we got a great text from Dave Bristol from Mountain Dave that you know, used to coach up at Plateau Valley, you know, that he, he appreciates you being in charge of Chassa because you understand the challenges on this side of the hill, and yeah, I look, I, I know there's there was zero doubt that if that the roles would have reversed, Valor Christian would have been over here, and you guys wouldn't have, yep. you know, uh, thought about that for a single second. I, I got one right. more I have to ask you off off the text line yeah. here that uh, that I'm I'm not exactly sure the context that Homer Mark what you know where this comes from. This is a personal thing or not involving a, okay. a student athlete of his, but. Uh, he, he wants to know why mental health and social emotional health of a transfer student athlete is at the bottom of the list when can, when considering hardship transfers for varsity athletes. I mean, what's no?
1: I really, I that's a really great question, and I would tell you push back immediately and say that it is in no way at the bottom of the list. What what we in the tra- in the bylaws and constitution handbook when we have uh, transfers, what the bylaws outline. Is that if if there is mental or mental wellness issues or mental something ha- happening at the school that's affecting the child's mental health, all that the membership asks for is that there has to be a documented timeline. And a lot of times, what we will get with with a transfer request, and this is a this is also an education piece. We need the athletic directors to help communicate this to parents. When we just get a request that says, "I'm moving my student from school A to school B because." It's not the best place for them mentally. Um, what we need to be able to prove is that that's something that involves the school because does that necessitate a transfer? Would those same mental health concerns exist at a new school? The other thing that we have to, we have to do is be very caref- careful of precedent. I'm a firm believer that 95% of our bylaws are not intended to catch. They're, they're, they're intended to help present, preserve the integrity of educationally based athletics, which for about 5% of someone that is trying to maybe take advantage of the situation to say, well, I'd like to go over here. And they say, well, this doesn't, isn't a great place for my, my student, they're being bullied for instance, or the academic programming is not their best. We just have to be able to support the decision. And what the bylaws outline there is that there has to be a documented timeline of concerns. There has to be a documented that says we've worked with the school and the school can't help with these concerns and here's our proof that we've documented this and it really did necessitate the transfer to a new school and that's what we have to look at and it is always difficult because there is a little bit of subjectiveness to it um but our responsibility is to make sure that we are protecting the integrity of the bylaws while also making sure that we protect the integrity of of what's happening with our student athletes and if there is a proven mental health issue or wellness issue in any regard, that can be documented, that shows that the school was involved with it and really couldn't meet those needs, that's what we need to have to document that. So I really push back, and again, anyone that know me, I'm a former school counselor. Mental health is a huge, huge issue, and we wanna do that, but when it comes to transfers, all we need to do is, is work with our parents to make sure that those concerns are documented and that the school played an active role or lack of an active role that
0: necessitated them going to a new school mike i always appreciate the time and thanks for taking on you know some of these questions that uh, absolutely you know that i mean i i appreciate the, the candor as always and uh, you're doing I, I think a sensational job and uh always okay. appreciate the, the time we get together i'm glad we're able to make this kind of work out you know if not many every every, every month because of your busy schedule but <laughs> uh, but at least for okay. me the, the transition from one season to another and and uh, i always appreciate the time my friend
1: Back at you and, and uh, wish all my friends over on the Western Slope. Uh, have a great holiday if I don't talk to you. I'll be over in January for the Cata Outreach. I think it's January 10th. So, Jim, hopefully we can catch up and maybe grab lunch.
0: Okay, I, lunch is on me. Okay, if you get over here. All right, lunch. Okay, mate, you, that you, you, good. You, you. So, no, you've got to. Now you have another reason to come over here because I'm buying. Okay?
1: <laughs> Free lunch. All right. <laughs> give Rio my best and give Kendra my best, bud. Okay, take care.
0: Okay, take care, right. Mike. Thank you so much. Mike Kruger chase commissioner yeah got to uh, scrape together those uh